I don't think any of my clients who have kind of shifted their messaging in that way, they're still 100% on brand. They're just speaking to people in a way that stands out a little bit more from the endless scroll, you know? So you can still totally be within your brand voice and be true to who you are as a company, but just shift things up to get more attention. You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast. Leave a review now for a chance to win our undying affection from start to scale and beyond. Today's episode of Stuff Marketers Say features co-founder Jesse Marchecho, and he discusses the state of digital advertising as we head into 2022. Jesse shares the three biggest barriers to paid advertising and how to fix them. This is a recording of a live episode where people can ask their questions. If you're interested in learning more about our live episodes, be sure to sign up for our email list over at till.agency. The live episodes are also typically advertised on our website, so you can register there too and check out upcoming topics. Head on over to till.agency for the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about working with us, send us a note while you're over on the website and we can chat more about how we might be able to serve your business. All right, let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to our weekly office hours. We're excited to be here. I have Alea, uh, one of our account managers here at Till Agency, joining us today again. She's been a frequent staple, I guess, becoming a staple to the show, which is great. Today, we're going to be talking about a state of the union address almost of what exactly the state of digital advertising is going into 2022, coming off of the ups and downs from COVID and elections and privacy updates and things like that. Um, and then looking at you know very three distinct areas of advertising in particular that prevent people from seeing success or, or potential barriers or things that hinder companies from seeing the most success possible. And they're also going to look at how we can overcome them and how we continue to overcome those things for each one of our clients. So Leah, glad you're here. Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So we can jump right in here. As someone who manages a decent number of clients and kind of has a, a full picture of not only paid advertising, but also some of the things on the organic side of things and having experience running businesses yourself, excited to jump into some of these things. So the first thing, one of the first barriers that we see in paid advertising, especially going into 2022, is looking at targeting and audience building in that. So what do you think that, you know, given coming off of, you know, the iOS updates and potentially some data loss that Facebook has from Apple saying, nope, not going to give you that data anymore. What do you think are some of the biggest hurdles or barriers that there are when it comes to businesses trying to find the right people to show their ads to? Yeah. So I think that privacy update is probably the thing that has really shaken up the landscape the most. I think people are used to the idea of Facebook ads kind of being on this easy mode where you had access to all of this data about everyone and you could you could almost pinpoint people down to the person and show them a specific ad. You had so much information. And now that's been dialed back a little bit, which honestly is a good thing. Like privacy on the internet is a good thing, but it requires a different way of thinking about it and being willing to test and iterate and try different things to try to find your audience now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'll attest to that having been advertising for, gosh, well over a decade now. I think that we used to like play jokes on each other where we would like 
create an ad for a specific person and try to see if we could get that ad shown only to that specific person just to try to freak people out be like if Facebook knows everything about you, which is totally against terms of service, you're not supposed to be able to call <laughs> specific people out. But something that I mentioned that with those privacy updates being, you know, a good thing, I think that we are a little bit of a unicorn in the fact that we're you know, an ad agency that also believe in privacy and we're, you know, I'm a bit of a privacy advocate myself. So I think there is going to, there, there's a balance between, you know, being able to show people ads that are relevant to them while at the same time, you know, not giving companies like Facebook the power to know every little detail about everything in our lives. And I would be surprised if they're not, you know, potentially an Apple platform coming out that is pseudonymous or anonymous that's like linking data to a number that's not associated with the person. So we'll see what comes of that. With all those privacy updates and potential issues when it comes to targeting, have you found that we like are able to still get in front of the right people? Or do you feel like it's a little bit more watered down? Does it take more time? Talk me through a little bit of that. So the short answer is yes. Like we definitely still are able to get in front of our clients' audiences. Sometimes it takes a different strategy than they were using before. I think we'll probably get into this a little bit more in depth later, but like using lists that you have of like past clients or your email list, like being able to target specific people or build lookalikes based on those or testing at different things. It's definitely still possible to get in front of these people. It just, it takes a little bit of creativity sometimes. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, one thing that I think that I'll add to that as well is as we're looking at building audiences for specific clients, different uh, industries were probably affected differently, I think. And I think that you probably see that with some of your clients because you have a, a pretty div- diverse lineup of, of clients, Leia. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed is sometimes it feels like the bigger and more general the audience for a specific product or industry, the more it was hit for some reason, or sometimes it can be a little bit harder to refine that audience. Did you find that same thing with some of your clients? Yeah, that's interesting that you that you put it like that. Yes, I have seen that. I think the people who have kind of a, a smaller niche audience maybe weren't impacted as much, like because we're focusing more on a, a small subsect of people and interests, those are almost still easier to get in front of than some of these what you might think would be broader or easier to reach audiences. Yeah, totally. And I thought that was so counterintuitive when we first started noticing that because you think like, oh, the, you know, they lost data. So they lost like the most detailed level is what they would lose the data on. And, and for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like that was the case, which is interesting. It is something that also once we kind of find that sweet spot for any client, it allows us to build on that and continue to feed good data back to Facebook and continue to make those audience more quote unquote smart as we get more data as opposed to them starting smart probably like they are smarter like they used to be you know mm-hmm. back in the day 2020 was that yeah, march 2021 i think march or april so yeah, anything else so. that we're, that we're doing to combat this or anything else that you feel like other small businesses can do to combat the potential loss of that data and how they can you know target more effectively and accurately let me think so i think using lead gen has probably been the biggest thing that I've been recommending to my clients and the biggest thing that I've seen really working is you can, for a pretty low cost, find your audience with the lead gen and get these people's email addresses and information. And then with those email addresses, you can retarget your purchase ads or webinars or whatever to these people 
for a lower price than just trying to find people randomly with a lower down the funnel ad like that. Okay, cool. So basically we're creating our own audiences by creating a little bit lower barrier to entry, whether it's just an email address or, you know, uh, something along those lines, maybe a Facebook lead ad that then mm-hmm. we up, you know, create a, a lookalike or a, a retargeting audience based off of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically saying, Hey, Facebook, we're kind of circumventing your audience. We're just going to build our own audience. Thank you very much. One other big plus to that is that uh, I know that, you know, in years past, there's been a really big strategy to like target content, whether it's blog articles or certain, you know, topics on your website or video views that you then retarget. The big benefit of doing emails over something like that is that then you're also adding to your specific email address that you're able to hit them from, from multiple platforms as well. Any thoughts on or do you think that there's a, a big impact on using copy and creative to target as well on top of that? Or do you think that most of the targeting is happening on the audiences that we set up in, in Facebook and Instagram? Do you think that we can further target and narrow just by using language and, you know, language that's going to make people kind of raise their hand or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually something that we have been doing pretty heavily with a couple of my clients where the audience that we're actually targeting is pretty broad or maybe even completely broad. And then we're just using the actual ad copy and creative to speak to the people that we want to. And that has been working really well for several of my clients. Yeah. And I think that that may work so well because since like people are clicking on the ads and interacting with the ad on Facebook, that's all data that Facebook gets. So then they're able to then go in and say, oh, this person is liking this ad and these 100 people are liking or or clicking on this ad. And then they can feed that information back into the targeting to try to make that ad smarter and smarter. So it's kind of getting data direct from the source, which can, I think, be be pretty effective, which is great that that is is working for clients that, you know, especially for for those broader audiences that got hit a little bit harder than some of the more niche, niche audiences. Anything else to add uh, when it comes to targeting or audience building, especially going into 2022? Not that I can think of. How about you? Yeah, I think that that pretty much covers it. I think that, you know, if anything, and this is going to be a, a theme throughout is we just got to be willing to test. I think that, that like, like Leah said, the days of, you know, every campaign seeing a 10x ROAS, no matter what, I think are long gone. You know, and you, you have your winning campaigns that do really, really well. And we have a number of clients that still do see really, really great returns, you know, potentially even higher than that. But it's not something that is quite as easy as it used to be. And, and so with all of that, there's just a lot more testing that is required to make sure that you're getting the best results possible. You know, there's no tried and true campaign or audience that's going to be like the surefire thing anymore. With all that said, though, we can move into kind of this next area or next potential barrier for businesses jumping into or fighting against current campaigns is attribution. And this is one that is near and dear to my heart because it is a very love-hate relationship. Because when it comes to marketing and advertising, uh, paid advertising specifically, it's never going to be an exact science, which is hard when you're talking data and hard numbers. You say, well, no, like isn't that exactly what like these numbers should be especially with with the iOS updates what we're you know we're finding is you know we're really looking at trends and we're looking at overall like impressions based on what is overall ad spend doing to overall profitability as opposed to really and we do try to dig in as much as we can and we'll go into how we do that with some of our clients for sure but 
First up, Leah, why do you think that like attribution has become infinitely more important over this last couple of years? Well, I think it's super important for like your ROAS, for example, is kind of the the gold standard for measuring the success of your campaigns. And so you want to be able to like be confident that that data is accurate. And then with these kind of privacy updates and things, that's getting harder to trust like at face value. And so finding these different avenues of getting data and comparing them to one another, it's becoming more important for really getting that data behind your decision making. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that has made this really difficult is going to, this is, this is going to be an uphill battle for the foreseeable future, because not only, you know, the iOS update was just kind of like that first, like, whoa, like out of nowhere, kind of Apple drawing the line in the sand saying, hey, like, this is where we're, this line that we're, we're not going to be willing to cross anymore. And other things are falling suit. You know, we're looking at ad blockers being put into browsers by default. We're looking at browsers blocking tracking scripts by default. We're looking at browsers that are scripting UTMs by default. All of these things that are potential attribution hurdles that are continuing to come out. Which again, like as an agency, we, you know, while it does sometimes make our jobs harder, we, you know, we're not necessarily anti-privacy by any means. But, you know, those are just some of the things that we're seeing that can affect the potential attribution issues in the future. So when we're looking at trying to get an accurate picture of, okay, we're spending this much money for a client, what is this doing to their bottom line? How are we starting to measure that? Or how do we kind of prove or disprove Facebook's data that they're telling us is successful or not? Yeah. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying about having multiple different versions of this data. So there's the data that we're seeing within Facebook Ads Manager. And then there's, for example, like Shopify or WooCommerce or whoever our clients are using for their like actual sales. And then there's things like Google Analytics, where you can see like people actually landing on your page and moving through your site. So being able to compare these different tracks and say like, okay, the real answer is somewhere in between these three pieces of data. For sure. And this is an area where I personally created a ROI tracking software a number of years ago. And this is something that I've had to really dig deep into just helping our clients figure out and combat these numbers. And we take all data that Facebook specifically gives us with a grain of salt, for sure. But, you know, I think that one of the things we have to remember is sometimes we have to go with a gut feeling and we have to look at like the overall trends. If in one month we spent 20% more money in actual ad spend and your revenue went up by 40 or 50% that month, and then we know we brought that revenue or that the ad spend back down and there was no other big factors, you didn't, you know, send 30% more emails or anything like that, that correlation can be a good indicator that by Facebook, and especially if that correlation is matching the Facebook data that we're seeing, you know, that can be a good correlation to give us at least another level of comp, another layer of confidence to look at some of those pieces and say, okay, this campaign must be working. Now, obviously, there's other things that could be happening there. And it's always a good idea to look at all the data points and, you know, whether it's Google Analytics, whether it's a third party tracking software like Hyros or Psychmetrics or Wicked Reports or something like that. There are other options there. And we'll, we'll probably get into that here in a little bit as well. But actually, speaking of some of those third party things, Leah, so you mentioned like Google Analytics, you mentioned like looking at the Facebook data. What are some other things or, or you know, if those are it, that's okay too. But, you know, anything else that they could be doing to try to get that 
level of confidence in the data that they're seeing and being, you know, confident that they're, whether it's they are seeing ROI or, you know, other ways to kind of keep Facebook honest on some of the reporting that, that we've been getting. Yeah. So some of the most like low tech solutions tend to be the most effective. I found things like having a specific landing page for a campaign that only people who are getting there through ads will ever see this specific version of a page. So you can track exactly how many times people have landed on that page and know for sure that everyone who landed there was because of an ad or having very specific discount codes where, okay, so you're having a 20% off sale and you're sending that to your email list and Instagram and Facebook and all of these things. But instead of using the same broad discount code for that sale, you could say, okay, I'm going to send this specific discount code to my email list. And I'm going to share this one on Facebook and Instagram organically. And this specific one is going to be for ads. So then when you're looking at your back end, you can kind of parse things out more specifically that way too. And that's like a super low tech. I mean, you're not like using any fancy software or anything, but it's a very like easy and manageable way to get that data in front of you. Yeah, for sure. And I love that it's something that really anybody could probably do with the current tech stack that they have now. They could easily probably add a landing page specific to their ads. So for example, if you're running a campaign for a specific product, maybe it's even a seasonal product that you're running, you could create a little landing page that talks about that specific season that really is a... a you know, think of it as like a extension of your ad and a kind of a bridge from your ad to like your checkout page, something where people can land there and feel like, oh, like I'm in the right place. This is exactly what that ad was talking about. And so not only does it serve the congruency and customer journey and kind of allaying any suspicions that a potential user may feel clicking on an ad in general, making them feel like another place. But you're also then, you know, knowing that if someone lands on this page and goes on to purchase, then you're pretty confident that that person came from an ad. And it may create some more, a little bit more manual work on the back end. But overall, you know, if you're getting an accurate description without having to use these fancy, sometimes pretty complicated to set up third-party tools, I think that could be a win overall. And, you know, one thing I think with the different landing pages as well that can work really well is if you're creating different landing pages for leads as well, have like a specific form that you can then tag, whether you're using ConvertKit or Flowdesk or Infusionsoft, after campaign, all of those are going to have the ability to have these different forms that you can put on specific landing pages for specific audiences that you're sending people through. And then you could just tag them. And then, you know, over the course of their customer journey, you could just pull up that tag and say, hey, how many of these people actually purchased? Then you can be pretty confident knowing that those are people that came from that specific channel for that as well, which is great. Any advice or any thoughts on attribution? I guess the state of, in the overall picture of the state of marketing going into this next year? Not that I can think of. How about you? Yeah, I think that we we kind of covered everything. And again, you know, when it comes to attribution, it's a messy conversation because there are, obviously, you want to make sure that every dollar you spend is coming back to you. And you want to make sure that you know, Facebook isn't just inflating numbers. One thing that I think that we will add is that Facebook for the first time ever, and this data is coming from Facebook. So we, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but this is something that we found to be pretty true with most of our clients as well, is that Facebook says that they are under-reporting results by about 15%. That's something that if there's any consolation there, it's that, okay, at least Facebook isn't over-reporting like they have done, you know, for basically 
eternity going backwards <laughs> since Facebook ads have been around. So if there's anything there, that's probably a consolation knowing that, okay, well, at least we're, we're not getting hopefully overinflated too much by Facebook anymore. So the last kind of thing that we're seeing as we're kind of going into 2022, and again, I would expect the ads to be potentially, you know, just as volatile as they have been over the last year or two with COVID and again, elections and like the politicizing of all things on social media. You know, we don't know what's happening in 2022 with any sort of COVID, whether it's lockdowns or modified lockdowns or anything like that. With all of that, you know, kind of the next thing that we're talking about is and really starting to prepare for is, you know, rising competition as well as rising costs in general. CPMs have been steadily going up, which is, you know, something that as inflation continues to go up, like we're going to see that. And that's just, you know, there's not too much we can do to avoid a lot of that unless everyone just moves off of the Facebook and Instagram platforms, which I don't see happening. You know, with all of that, Leah, what do you think that overall we can do or what we're doing for clients to help compete with those rising costs and continue to see the best results possible um, given potential challenges that they're seeing? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that we do, and I'm always super proud of the team for this, is we are always testing and trying new things and not getting comfortable or kind of like resting on things that have worked in the past. Because as things continue to change, your strategy is going to have to continue to change as well. And so being willing to test new colors or new copy or a new way of speaking to your clients, something that I've seen actually with my own clients is kind of just totally changing up the voice that they're using to speak to the people that they're trying to reach on the internet has just completely shifted and changed the trajectory of their campaign. So always being willing to test out new stuff and kind of trying to stay on the leading edge as things are changing. I feel like that's the biggest thing that people can lean into moving forward. For sure. And I love that so much because, you know, one of the things that I always try to do whenever we're testing anything is, you you know, we always like to start on the top level and then kind of let that funnel down changes that we make on a sales page or a checkout page, for example, is only affecting the people that actually make it to the checkout page. Whereas, you know, if we can increase a click-through rate from 1% to 2% or higher, we're essentially doubling the ROAS just with that, you know, one potential change or doubling Mm -hmm. the, the effectiveness of that ad, which can be, you know, obviously significant. I love that so much. Do you think that, you know, when we're changing that brand, you know, the voice that we're going after people, do you think that that has to be like counter brand or do you feel like, you know, making that drastic shift can still be, you know, because I know that a lot of clients have a little bit of concern when it comes to advertising that their voice goes too much conversion focus as opposed to brand focus. Do you think that there's still a, a middle ground there where they can meet in the middle? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think any of my clients who have kind of shifted their messaging in that way, they're still 100% on brand. They're just speaking to people in a way that stands out a little bit more from the endless scroll, you know? So you can still totally be within your brand voice and be true to who you are as a company, but just shift things up to get more attention. For sure. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important to mention is, all of the, our conversation that we had been talking about right now has been, you know, we've been given a lot of examples from Facebook uh, and Instagram because I think that they were hit the hardest because they're the biggest probably ad platform right up there with Google. But I think that with, or I should say most of our clients advertise most heavily on Instagram and Facebook is probably a better way to put that. But with all that said, 
all of these things affected basically every platform that has users on on iOS devices. And so uh, is there any other things that you think like shifting budget or testing different platforms as we prepare for this is a good idea? Or do you think that people should still be focusing on one platform or over the other? I definitely think testing different platforms has worked super well for people as well. I mean, I think it's easy to think, yeah, Facebook and Instagram is where everybody is. So that's where I need to be. But that's not necessarily as true anymore. Like you might have more success reaching people on a Pinterest or TikTok or, you know, on YouTube now where Facebook and Instagram might have been your bread and butter in the past. Definitely. I think that being willing to test these different platforms is part of that flexible testing mentality. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Cool. So kind of wrapping up, got one last question here. That's a biggie. If you feel like there's one factor that you believe helps clients see, you know, the best success or one thing that they can do, one factor that's going to help them see success, you know, moving forward into 2022, what do you think that that would be? I think it's going to have to go back to that flexible testing mentality, like being willing to test and iterate. And as somebody who has run my own businesses, I know that it can be hard to kind of take your fingers off of the steering wheel a little bit. I know that that is difficult. And so I'm always so proud of folks when they're like, yeah, like, let's test it out. Let's try it. It might not work, but it might be a huge success. And so just being willing to to test things out. It doesn't have to be forever. Like if something fails, we'll move on to the next thing. But being willing to to just give it a try. And I know that that can be challenging and scary for folks, but I think that's the biggest thing that is helping people find success right now. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree there. And and it's one of those things that, you know, if you have that mentality, it's going to serve you well whether we're talking attribution, whether we're talking copy and creative, well, whether we're talking, you know, audiences, just marketing, whether it's organic or paid, um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, testing things and then learning from other things as well. If you have subject lines in your emails that, that do well, try using something similar in a, in a Facebook headline. If you have an organic post that does really, really well, okay, like let's take some of that imagery or some of that language and, and kind of try that with something paid. I think that as you start to test, you'll start to get data from each individual channel and then you're going to be able to try those things, those learnings on other platforms as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it can have a really big snowballing effect. So I love that a lot. I would 100% agree. With yeah. That. So cool. Well, excited going into 2022 that hopefully things continue to, I mean, everything that we've seen with a lot of our clients, they've seen still great growth over the last year, year and a half, even coming out of COVID. And, you know, something that we're definitely planning on seeing again for coming up in this next year. I think that there are going to be challenges, just like with any sort of business growth, there's going to be things that we're going to have to change. There's going to be game plans that need to shift. And there are going to be game plans that totally knock it out of the park right away. And so being able to navigate those things and help our clients see as many of those big game changers as quickly as possible is what we're all about here. So thanks for listening in. Again, if you have any questions, as always, you can reach out to us at hello at till.agency. We're happy to have further conversations with you about any of what we talked about today. And then again, happy to answer any questions as well. So thanks again for joining us if you are here or listening on the podcast. We'll see you again, I think, in a week or two. 